started. All right, today we're going to be looking at a few different things, and we're going to, uh, our first text is going to come from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Now, uh, if we look at the reflections of how we live our lives and how a lot of people are living their lives, I don't think a lot of us believe that, or a lot of us are not taking that into consideration that at one point we are going to stand before God and we are going to have to take account of everything that we do, both good and bad. And, um, you know, we are all sinners, and I'll admit that more than anyone else, that I am a sinner. I need a Savior, and that every day that I struggle with sin. It's part of being human, and if you guys are honest, you'll say the same thing. My uh, outlook is that I hope to be able to have some balance in my two lists, that my good list and my bad list kind of cancel each other out that I've done enough good to outweigh all the bad that I've done. You know, and that's uh, the best that we all can do is just to strive to do well with the time that we have. We've talked about how our time is limited and how there's only so much of it. Let's look, take a look at uh, Matthew chapter 12. and 36 this is Jesus speaking and he said but I say unto you that every idle word word that the men shall speak thou shalt give account therefore in the days of judgment for just by the words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned words you know we think of it as just words not nothing big but we are even going to be held accountable by the things that we say Things we utter, the muffle under our breath, you know, the, the out loud thoughts. We are going to be judged by the good and the bad of these as well. That's how important our idleness is and what we do with our time is. Everything, every move, decision, word, everything we do is being monitored by God and is being put in the categories of good and bad and where are we at. So, we, uh, we don't take this into consideration because we look at the way we act, we look at the way people act. We're not thinking about having to answer for these things. In uh, 12 and 33, either make the tree good of its fruit or make the tree corrupt of its fruit. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generations of vipers, how can we bring evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man brings forth evil treasures before evil things. Then, of course, we go into the things about idle words. And I bring this up today is because I want to talk about evaluating people a little bit, and I don't want you to think that I'm being judgmental. I'm using what God gives us here by looking at the fruits. 
Because we don't know the heart. Only God knows the heart. We only know our own heart. So the only thing we have to go by is the fruits. And we can see a lot today about the fruits of people, what's going on in the world, and see where they're at. Uh, I've seen a, a thing that's lately has been pretty popular that average people like myself and and you all will go out and they'll conduct some interviews of people. Usually they're in some kind of state of protest. And they want to get information. They want to know why they are there and why what they're doing, what they believe, and you know what they're experiencing to do. Which I think is great because I speak many times about knowing what we believe in. About having to be able to articulate why you believe a certain way because it does no good to believe it does no good to have faith if you don't know what you're believing in what your faith is into what your principles are you have to have a good strong foundation that's why studying the word is so important to have a good strong foundation so we can have a good strong relationship with god we can have a good strong faith and we can have a good strong belief system so the the interviewer went to the interviewee, which was a young woman, and uh, she was very, very adamant on being anti-Trump, anti-everything that he stands for is done. There was no fact, no example that could sway her other than the fact that his demand is pure evil and he needs to go. So the... Um, the interviewee was, was quite smart, and he changed his logic up a little bit. He changed his tactics. And instead of going on a facts-based system, he went to a hypothetical situation. And he asked the girl, he said, okay, you feel so strongly that this man has to go, has to be removed, has to go. For this to action to take place, if it could be so, if he was removed from office, but as a result... A million people would die of the coronavirus. Would you still want this action to take place? And she said, absolutely. So he went a little further. He said, what if two million people had to die to make this action take place? And she said, absolutely. There was no hesitation. There was no thinking about it. It was absolutely. So he stepped up the game one more time and he asked her, he said, okay, well, that's fine. But out of these two million people, it also includes people that you love. It's going to be your mother, your father, your sister. These people are going to be amongst the dead. And without hesitation, without blinking, without thinking, absolutely. And for someone to respond that way, to respond that countless lives are no big deal. The lives of the loved ones are no big deal as long as that person gets the result they want. There's only one thing that can describe that word, and that is hate. Now, hate is not a word I use lightly. Now, I don't tend to be successful in this all the time, but there are certain words that I try to wane out of my vocabulary because they're just not useful. Words like always and never because nothing is always or never. There's always exceptions to everything so by putting something in that category we are really boxing ourselves off. Words like love. 
We throw that around all the time. Oh, I love macaroni and cheese. I love lasagna. I love blue cars. But there is certain things that that word should be reserved for. I love my wife. I love my parents. I love my children. I love God. These are the things that that word should be should be utilized for because that is the only way to describe how we feel about the most important things in our life, the people in our lives. When you look at it like that and you compare it to something like what you had for dinner last night, it is not the same thing. Yes, we can have very strong feelings for a meal or an object or even our pets, but love is something that should only be reserved for people. And hate is another one of them extremely strong words that we throw around all the time. I hate algebra. I hate mowing the grass. But that is the absolute condemnation of something. And it's not really that bad. Because although we may not like mowing the grass or may not like doing algebra, they are the time and place that we have to do these things and that it comes in useful and there's other things that could be much worse if we did not have to do these things in our lives. So hate is a very strong word. But I use the word hate in this situation because if you are willing to strike down innocent people, if you're willing to strike down the ones you love to take out one person, the only thing that you can describe for that person is a, a hate. Jesus talked about these idle words. And there's so much power in our words. God spoke. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke to create such power. God tells us what Jesus has, we have also. So that means we have that power. We have the power to speak and things will happen. Jesus gives an example telling the mountain to go jump in the lake, paraphrased, and it shall be done. He's emphasizing our power. He spoke to the tree and it died. Power in our words. That's why having these idle words and using misuse of words is so important not to do. There's a whole lessons that we can do on taming our tongue because there's so much damning things that we can do with it that we need to be very careful. But hate. We have to be careful with our, our idleness. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit here. And uh, we're going to talk about the, the, the Christian aspect of things. What happens a lot of times as a Christian, we become lazy because we hear about all the things that God does and God's going to do for us. And we just kind of sit back and wait for God to do something. You know, you ever notice how we work? Now, be honest with yourselves. We don't really get really hardcore into praying and really seeking God till we're desperate. You know, where things are getting bad and that's whenever we start really pulling out all the prayer stops. We don't have that continual conversation that God tells us to have. We just get in a state of panic 
And then it's, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. And we're not even praying anymore. We're begging and pleading and, and negotiating. And we, you know, we're telling them, well, we're going to stop doing this. And we're going to come to church. And we're going to give all of our money. And we're going to do all these different things. Oh, God, if you'll just please help me. And we're not, we're not doing anything. You have people, they get in trouble. And they think, well, the church has helped. So what do they do? Start going down the phone books. They start calling all the numbers, looking for assistance. And when you ask them, you know, what about your home church? Well, I don't go to church. I don't do these things. I just only want it when I need it. I don't want to contribute. And that's how, that's how we are. So, we talk about idleness. We talk about... What are we supposed to do? We have a lot of things going on in the world. And we have people that are now to the point of hate. To the point of hate. And a lot of times it's just because they are misinformed. They haven't took the time to really look at the facts. Or they have become so blinded and so driven... That they are so hate-fueled that they can't see any truth, any reason, any logic. You know, we see in our, our Democratic Party that we have people that are stopping things for the, the good of the America as a whole. They are trying to pass a, a stimulus package. They're trying to get money in the hands of Americans in the form of stimulus checks. They're trying to get small business relief. They're trying to help the airlines. They have all these renters, the housing market, all these things right now that are in dire trouble because of this epidemic that's going on. They're trying to get these things supplied with the funds that they need. But yet we have certain people in the area of power that is putting the halt to these situations because they have their own personal agenda that they want to fulfill. That every time they turn around and say, no, we're not going to do this until we do this, this, and this. Essentially, they're holding the money hostage to trying to get exactly what they want. And despite all the, all the negative media, the president says, I'm willing to sign this. I'm willing to put checks out today. But let's get done what needs to be done. Let's focus on what the problem is and not everything else. We can worry about all that later. Let's get the money out where it needs to be. But they are, are holding it back. So, as a, as a thinking person as I am, and a, as a man of God, I, I ask God, I said, why? Why? Because we look at the Old Testament, and we see that when we had a, a real problem person, that we had a group that God would empower a king and his men, and he would take on these opposing forces, and God's people would be triumphant. We see Moses holding up a staff, stopping the sun. We see a, a river come back and then let go and swallowing up all of Pharaoh's men. So we, we ask, you know, God, why are we not doing that? We got this, 
this one person that's causing all this problem for hundreds of millions of people that could be affected in a more positive way if they were just not blocking it. You know, why is it that he doesn't strike them down? And then I was, uh, I was reminded of some things. I'm not real good with remembering faces. Sometimes I wonder if I even have like that face blindness thing because sometimes faces, I know I've seen someone before, but I just can't really put a name and a face together. I know that's a bad characteristic to have for being a pastor, but it's something that I, I deal with. But yet there are certain faces that I can see vividly because each one of them faces share something similar. We talked about the fruits today. And by the fruits of the people, through discussion, through their actions, I walked away from the people with their salvation in question. And each one of them individuals I can still see because I feel something for them. I believe that at the time that I left, and I've never seen any of them again, so I don't know what their status update is. But at the time, they, I don't believe they believed that they did not have salvation. And that weighs on me because sometimes I wonder if I didn't do enough. Because without salvation, these people are going to wind up with eternity in hell. And that's troublesome. And none of these was friends or, or anything. It's just people that I've encountered that I know of, but not that I had a deep connection with. But yet, I'm still troubled by it because of that impact of what that means of an eternity in hell. So I thought about the people that's done me wrong, either directly or indirectly, the people that are out there right now that you've seen that the evil that they have done and continue to do and they can't never seem to be brought to justice. And we all long for that. When we see evil in the world, we want it taken out. We want it destroyed. We want, it, we want people to pay. We want them to be locked away. We want them to be punished. So God said, what is a greater justice? We all have the opportunity that we can turn around at any point in time. No matter how far we've gone, what we've done, what our past is, we can turn around. We can come through salvation. We can be saved. We can be redeemed. And what speaks greater volume? If I could make the choice, if I had my own hypothetical, when you have this evil person in front of you, could you make them their crimes come to light, make them pay, make them be locked away? Or would it be better for them to have salvation? To realize the errors of their ways, to repent, to turn their lives around, to be saved from an eternity in hell to an eternity in heaven.
And no matter how bad it hurts, no matter how big the injustice, no matter what they've done, the answer should always be salvation. If we are driven to the point that we would rather see someone be punished and wind up in hell, if that's what it takes to satisfy us, then we need to look at our own hearts and our own salvation because that is not light. That is not love. And the answer has to always be love. So I have to go back and I have to trust in God and have to believe that there is still always that opportunity for that person and he's waiting for his person, his child, no matter how bad they are, no matter how evil they are, there's his child to turn around. Brings us back to us again. We have stuff to do. We can't always just throw a ransom in the air. Okay, well, God's will will be done. Because we are having to answer for everything that we do. I've heard people say that they're not going to worry about voting. That they're just not going to do it. Because God's going to put in there who he wants to put in there. Yes, God is in control. But he wants us to be involved. When we do things, we are doing it for him, and we are doing it to be an example. The first thing we need to do is, is to be informed. We need to not look at the, the first thing that we hear and run with it. We do not need to run with what the masses say. The masses said crucify Jesus. Every single one of them said turn or loose Barabbas, the criminal, and crucify Jesus. Is that the kind of mentality that we want to follow? Peter denied Jesus. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Peter said, no, no, not me. But when push came to shove, he did. Three times. They all went into hiding. It's easier that way. Sometimes it's hard to go against what it seems like the masses want. But a lot of times it's just because they're louder. They're making more noise. See, when you don't have facts... You don't have truth. You don't have all the things that we need that we should be going on. The only thing we have is illusion. Make a bunch of noise. That's been a military tactic. You don't have a big enough army, you make it sound like you got a giant one. You start making a racket. And when they think you're too big, the other side runs away. You've got to be informed. say that your vote doesn't count. That it's only one vote amongst all. But we're doing more than just circling a little dot on a piece of paper. 
what we're doing is we are taking a stand. We are taking a stand and saying, we believe that abortion is wrong. That's why we support this person. We believe that we should have the rights to make decisions for ourselves. That we should follow our Constitution. That we should be able to keep our amendments, like the second, that was given to us by the men and women that fought and set up this great nation. We believe that we should follow the court systems that has been strong and worked and not manipulate it into a way that works for certain individuals. We should look at what God wants. We should start looking at what God says in his word and not trying to fix everything that's not even a problem because man says so. We should stop putting the person that puts God first and God as part of his plan when making decisions instead of someone that totally ignores God. We have to be concerned about who cares about people, who cares about God, because God cares about us. We are taking a stand. People worry about getting a disease. They don't want to come to church. I've heard one person say that church is a breeding ground for, for disease. It's an excuse. Because I solemnly believe if you are doing God's work, if you are doing it for the right reasons, for God, that God is not going to let anything happen to you. When you're walking in to stand up and say that I stand with God, God is going to stand with you. God is going to put that protection around you. That's what we need to look at. All other issues aside, there's only one issue that we have to be concerned about. Who stands with God? Hi there. Um, I'd like to thank you for listening to the uh, Anchor Baptist podcast. I know that there is a smorgasbord of podcasts that you can listen to. And taking time to listen to mine is a, is a great honor and privilege, and I appreciate it. Um, of course, you can tell by the, the production of it that I don't, this is not a big budget operation. It re- recorded on very minimal equipment. We don't do little to none editing. It's basically, you get it just as you was getting it live. You know, if I mess up, I leave it in there. If I got to correct myself, I leave it in there. It's, it's uh, real and it's honest. And um, what we're trying to do is I'm not out to get a bunch of likes. I'm not out to get a bunch of, of 
followers. It's not about the money. I don't even run any paid ads um, or anything like that. It's, it's just trying to share what God has given me with the world. Uh, so, again, I appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please, if you want to do something for me, please like and subscribe and share it with your friends. If you like the message, feel free to, to leave comments or anything else. If you'd like to leave a review, that'd be great also. Again, I just, just thank you for listening and hope you continue to do that.